Uh, we had this plan long before I had ever even heard the term coronavirus. Um, and so uh, we decided that once everything started getting canceled and shut down and we weren't going to have gatherings at the church building, that we would continue to, you and I, to meet and to have this class. So at least for the next few weeks, we're going to broadcast it out, but we're going to continue on our series as we were planned. So thanks, Kevin, for being a part of this. Of course. It might even be more important now to kind of double down on friendship and the hard work that comes with it with everything that's happening right now. And I love the fact that that's what this class is all about, is about the hard work of friendship. Both, and that's kind of my goal with the class, and I think it's yours as well, is that people understand the benefits of friendship, but also Mm -hmm. the struggles of friendship, that it doesn't necessarily come naturally, that it takes some hard work, but that it's it's worth it. Um, and one of the things that we're going to try to do is I'm going to introduce it each week with uh, talking about Paul and how Paul had friendships and relationships. And sometimes I think when we talk about biblical characters, we talk about them as if they're characters rather than real people that had real struggles. And right. that when they had a relationship with people, just like every relationship that we have, they invested the time and energy and effort that it took to have that relationship. Uh, So we're going to look at some of Paul's friendships and his relationships uh, to sort of kick off the class, and then Kevin's going to take it from there and is going to explore some practical things, and we'll kind of have a back-and-forth discussion. Yeah, well, that's the hope anyway. And there's so much that can't be included or wouldn't be included because it'd be difficult reading for sure um, in in the Bible about how people develop their friendships and everything that goes into it. You think about, you know, Barnabas or Timothy or any of the other people that we're going to be talking about in this quarter that Paul interacted with. There's so much that was happening outside of the text. Yeah. And yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. And whenever we think about how to apply things in the Bible, that is actually a really difficult question, even if it's kind of a simple Mm-hmm. task, right? We'll love each other. Like, well, that seems simple. Yeah. But how do you do that whenever the other person is so difficult to be around? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the kind of thing we're going to be talking about. Um, Cause you know, I sometimes think I'm a difficult person to be around. I'm sure, you know, Wes is difficult to be around all the time. <laughs> um, but I was about to say, you're never difficult. And then you oh, throw well, me under the bus. Like that, so <laughs> See, that's an example of a time. <laughs> it's like, well, how do you not get so angry that you ruin everything? Right, and how do you yeah. help people to kind of understand if they have hurt you and kind of how to move past that? Yeah. And many of you know that I do therapy as a job. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, kind of like Dave, but 15 years less experienced. Um, but a big part of my job is really to help people to interact with other people yeah. and to kind of do that in an adult way, but in a way that can benefit them and benefit those around them yeah. as much as possible. Well, I'm super excited about this class. I'm excited to hang out with you and to have these conversations. <laughs> Kevin and I went to uh, Estonia together uh, this past yeah. fall, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In October. Yeah. yeah, so it seems like a million years ago with everything that's happened Seriously. since then. But, uh, but So I got to know Kevin a lot, and I think it was on that trip maybe, or as we were preparing for that trip, that we thought about having this class uh, and started talking about it. But before we go too far into that, Let's look at some of the text. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 26, and we're going to talk about Paul and Barnabas and their relationship. And I really think, and it's funny you said a minute ago that uh, there's a lot of stuff that's not in the text. 
Uh, but you have to know, just like John says at the end of the Gospel of John, that Jesus did a lot of other things that weren't included in that book. Um, and so the same is true with Paul and Barnabas and every person you read about in Scripture. Um, but I imagine Paul and Barnabas were very different personality types, mm-hmm. that they were very different kinds of people. Um, I love Paul. I love everything that obviously he did and wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And obviously he's a person in whom you see the spirit of Jesus. Um, But maybe, perhaps, the way I read it, that he seems like he could have at least come across abrasive sometimes. He probably, the way I read it, um, he was probably a pretty matter-of-fact kind of person. Whereas Barnabas seems to be okay with playing second fiddle, being the person that's a supporter, that's an encourager. In fact, Barnabas isn't even his name. His name was Joseph. And Barnabas is a nickname that means son of encouragement. Um, And Barnabas was an incredibly encouraging person that was always coming alongside and lifting other people up. And Paul and Barnabas struck up a friendship because after Paul um, left, well, he left Jerusalem persecuting the church. He left Jerusalem persecuting, throwing into prison Christians. And then on the road to Damascus, after he left Jerusalem, uh, he saw Jesus, Ananias baptized him, he became a Christian. And then he went into the wilderness uh, for like three years. And so he hadn't come back to Jerusalem at all. He stops in Damascus for a while, and then he comes back to Jerusalem. So you got to imagine the citizens of Jerusalem only knew him as a persecutor of the church. There might have been people in the church in Jerusalem that had their doors kicked in and had family members arrested by Paul, the last time he was in town, he was persecuting Christians. And then he shows up in town three years later and says, oh, no, no, I'm one of you now. Now I'm a follower of Jesus. And nobody believes it. And nobody thinks that he really is a Christian. Um, And so Barnabas sticks up for him. Acts 9, verse 26 says, when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join, this is Paul, attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And so Barnabas sticks up for him and vouches for him. And you got to imagine that Barnabas is really risking his reputation. He's risking his relationships to stick up for somebody who had hurt people in the past. And he sticks up for him and, you know, sticks his neck out and says, this guy's different. Now he's a follower of Jesus and um, you really need to listen to what he says. And Paul's ministry is sort of kicked off a little bit, but then things get very tough for him very quickly, and he has to go to Tarsus, to his hometown of Tarsus, or near Tarsus, um, and stay there for a decade. And I don't know if people realize that, but from the time that Paul became a follower of Jesus to the time he really started his ministry was a good 13 years, because all of this is just kind of preliminary stuff. And he goes to, Dem- or he goes to Tarsus and hides in Tarsus for about 10 years until Barnabas, again, was working with the church in Antioch, and the church in Antioch was booming, and it was a multicultural, multi-ethnic church. And, and so Barnabas leaves Antioch and goes to Tarsus and gets Paul and brings him back to do work there in, um, in Antioch 
with him. This is Acts 11 and verse 25. It says, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. So this is really the beginning of Paul's ministry. So it's been 13 years since he became a Christian, but now the two pivotal times in Paul's life both in Jerusalem and now in Antioch, the person that's in his corner, the person that's sticking up for him, the person that's risking his neck and his reputation for his sake is Barnabas. Barnabas is this encourager and this person who is right there side by side working with Paul. They go to Jerusalem together. They go on a first missionary journey together. And somewhere along the line, uh, John Mark, who's probably Barnabas's cousin, abandons them on the journey. And so when it's time for their second missionary journey, this is in Acts 15, it says, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. So Barnabas says, yeah, let's take John Mark with us, who again is probably his cousin. And Paul, but Paul thought it best not to take take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. And Barnabas goes one direction with John Mark and Paul goes a different direction with Silas. Um, And I say all that to say that maybe that wasn't even their first disagreement. I imagine that Paul and Barnabas probably had other disagreements. And so even though they had this great relationship that without Barnabas, Paul may not have really been able to get a foothold and to do what he did. Barnabas really helped him to to do what God, what Jesus had called him to do. Um, But that doesn't mean their relationship was easy. It doesn't mean it was problem-free. They had this problem, but there's probably other times where they disagreed with, and maybe even other times where they said, no, 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 I'm I'm not going to work with you on this one, you know, but that doesn't mean they stopped loving each other, and it doesn't mean they stopped being friends just because they had disagreements and just because relationships were hard. Right, and you know, when they disappeared, or basically they disengaged there, um, that wasn't the last thing for their relationship, like you said, Um, and you see later even that Paul found John Mark useful and asked for him to come to him in Rome, Mm -hmm. and so with that in mind, it's good for us to remember that when we do have those disagreements, we go separate ways with friends, that we need to have that same kind of attitude. It's like, well, for now, we don't need to be together. We don't yeah. need to make it work right now, but I need to keep an open mind for later in our life where yeah. we can be engaged with each other. Yeah. Yeah, just because we don't necessarily see eye to eye on this, whatever this is, or just because we can't work together on this project or just because we might rub each other the wrong way or push each other's buttons today doesn't mean our relationship has to be over. It doesn't mean that we have to burn that bridge and say, well, you're just hard. And I think that's what we tend to do. I mean, we just tend to say, well, I just don't get along with people like Kevin, or I just, you know, Kevin and I, we used to be friends, but we had this falling out, and now we, that's very abrupt, and, you know, it's, it's acting like it always has to be that way. Just because we're having a hard time getting along today or just because we disagree on this one issue or this one thing or just because there's something that, that makes it a little rough for us to you know, be in friendship with each other doesn't mean that it always has to be that way or that we can't ever find a way to get along. Right. Well, and this class isn't about a marriage relationship. Um, and I think that's really important that it isn't. But we also are supposed to be friends with our spouses, right? And 
we wouldn't say a marriage relationship needs to break up because we disagreed mm-hmm. once. That's a great point. Right. And so there's a value and something good about working through those hard times together. Mm-hmm. Right. And just like we view, and hopefully in the church, we view our marriage as something that really needs to survive disagreements. Maybe we should also view our friendships as something that needs to survive disagreements, something to be worked through and something to be an opportunity to honor each other. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I trust you and I love you and I care about you. And so even though you're completely wrong about this thing, I'm going to show you honor and give you grace and give you love anyways. Yeah. And do you think that sometimes, I didn't mean to turn this into an interview, but but do you think that sometimes we make the assumption that if you really loved somebody or if you were, like sometimes we talk about compatibility and and sometimes we act like, well, we're just incompatible. And we say that in marriage sometimes and, and that's why it gets to the point, I think, when people say that they're going their separate ways. But even with friendships... Sometimes we say, well, they're just too different, or we're just not compatible, or I wouldn't get along with that person, and we just make an assumption that that won't work, or that it won't work anymore. And we just assume that if it was going to work, it would be easy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not sure what the question was there, because it started out with the question. It's all right. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just saying, do you agree? Do you agree with, I mean, do you think that we, we have this tendency to think, if it's going to work, it's going to be easy? Yeah, I think we definitely think that. And then when we discover later that it really isn't all that easy, we're like, well, maybe I was wrong about my assessment of this yeah. person yeah. or of our relationship. And you know, sometimes that can cause us to be separate when we really don't need to be, right? And certainly, I think we can view this relationship dysfunction as something that can change it yes Mm -hmm. it it might change the the course it might change the content it might change the the approach Mm -hmm. but in in maybe how much of ourselves we're willing to share with that person Mm -hmm. right now right but and we certainly don't need to be friends with everybody Mm -hmm. and, and maybe not in a deep and personal way but we don't need to leave people because they are difficult Mm-hmm. And I think that is definitely part of the, the hard work that goes into um, making friends and staying friends. Yeah. And I, I feel like some people probably this idea resonates with them more than other people, maybe. Do you think that, that some people feel like maybe if they assess their own life, they, they would say friendship comes easy to me or relationships with people come easy to me and other people might think, well, that's just not for me or I'm just not a, we, we say things like I'm not a people person. Yeah. Um, but but I think that, I think at the same time, while some people may be more outgoing than others or some people might be able to meet new people better than others, that we're all capable of having, the and, and it's beneficial for all of us and we all at times struggle with it. There's not a single person for whom it, it may, certain aspects maybe, I don't know, may come mm. easier than others, but, um, but I think we all struggle with it to some degree. I, I agree with you absolutely that this is a universal struggle. Yeah. Um, and some people, I think, will have a harder time meeting new people and, and making new friends like that and kind of this shallow level of friend. But I, I think... 
the people that have a hard time making these new friends tend to do a slightly better job at deepening relationships mm. they already have. Yeah. Right. And so then maybe the other side of that is like, well, it's really easy for me to make friends, but I'm not really not all that close to anybody. Yeah. Right. I've got lots of friends, but no one knows me. Right. And it's kind of interesting how this idea for this lesson series developed actually several years ago I was talking with a friend of mine and we were commiserating kind of talking to each other about how difficult it can be to you know be in crowded spaces and to make new friends and to talk to people and you know that's something that I don't do well and I don't like to do um, I might say I'm not really a people person uh, which is kind of interesting given my job <laughs> but you know, we were talking about this and saying, like, wouldn't it be nice if there was some way for us to learn or some kind of lesson series at church that talks about how to do this, even if it's not something you're good at, mm -hmm. even if it's not something that you like doing, right? And I think it's really important for the people here and the people that are watching that they know that this lesson series is designed for people this isn't easy for. Mm -hmm. And with the idea in mind, perhaps, that it's not easy for anybody, really. Mm -hmm. But I think that for me especially, this has been a, a difficult lesson series to develop. You know, I've uh, kind of, as I've been preparing this lesson series, I've realized really how bad I am at doing a lot of these things. It's like, man, I'm not really giving of myself in these, in these relationships. And maybe what I mean by that is that because of my job, because of part of what I do, I'm really good at listening to people. I'm really good at kind of getting them to go deeper about themselves and supporting them. And so I've got many, many people in my life that feel supported by me. And, you know, I gather some kind of satisfaction from that, right? And that's a, it's a good thing. Um, and I wouldn't choose to do it differently. But, you know, at the same time, there are very few people that know me very well. Mm. Um, maybe a little story there. I, I work as a contract counselor at a place called Christian Works for Children. Um, it's an adoption agency counseling center in Dallas. And I had worked there at the time of this story, maybe two years or so. And we were talking in the office, and they were talking about you know, how they kind of knew each other really well. And somebody said, well, you know, I think I know Kevin pretty well. And I said, okay, we'll name three facts about me. And they couldn't come up with more than one, which is that I have children and a wife. And like, well, you have a family. I'm like, great, what else? And they couldn't think of anything. Wow. Right? So I'm just a very private person. I yeah. value that. Yeah. And there's an aspect of this class where I'm giving that away. Right? And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Right? But it's also, um, it's also a challenge. Because yeah. part of what I realized um, that where I wasn't giving out of my own self, I wasn't telling things about other people, wasn't allowing myself to be supported by others, is that this was really connected to uh, what I would clinically describe as a pretty severe depression for myself. Mm. And so part of coming out of that has been dealing with this uh, socially anxious version of myself that is worried that when people get to know me more, that they're going to like me less. Mm. Right? And so, you know, as the church watches our friendship deepen before their eyes, um, <laughs> but as I'm starting to do that more, I'm able to more fully recognize, like, this is 
tremendously difficult. Mm -hmm. And so if anyone is watching or anyone is listening out there and thinks, well, this can't be for me because I'm just not that way, um, maybe it could be. Maybe you could be that way because that's a struggle that I'm fighting too, mm -hmm. right? And that's something that I'm trying to do better for myself. And so I'm hoping that through what we discuss, people in that situation can see that this is something actually really valuable mm -hmm. and is something that is possible. Mm -hmm. um, because it, as I've tried to think about friendship and my role in it, you know, beyond just being a supporter, um, I've found that my relationships, including my marriage relationship, has deepened. And it, it has become stronger because of the effort I mm -hmm. include in it. Yeah. And that's incredibly vulnerable of you and transparent of you to to share all of that with us and to share that with me and we you know we've talked about some of this before too and that in fact we even talked about calling this like the introvert's guide to to, to friendship right. you know because I don't think most people would peg me as an introvert um, although I would because you know I get very anxious with just superficial lots and lots of relationships, you know, just at a superficial level, I would ha rather have some closer, deeper relationships. But that's, again, and, and again, what most people probably wouldn't think about me is that that's very challenging for me. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really easy for me to stand up here on the stage or even to sit here on the stage yeah. and to talk at people and, you right. know, encourage people and edify people and teach people. But it's very difficult um, to be transparent and vulnerable and yeah. to open up and have those types of relationships. Uh, but I, like you said, the more I've done that and the, the deeper my relationships with other people go, and especially other men, you know, having real friendship with guy friends where we talk about real stuff and it's not just, how's it going? You know, how's the family? How's the weather? You know, yeah. it, and it goes deeper than that. Um, my other relationships other relationships in my life have thrived because of that. My relationship with God, and like you said, my relationship with my family is better when I'm nurturing those types of relationships. Absolutely. And I think maybe briefly highlighting the importance of things like small talk mm -hmm. are, is good because I, I think as people that don't really enjoy that kind of conversation, we can kind of not understand its value yeah. in a way that's damaging to people that struggle to communicate differently mm -hmm. and it's like well what is my favorite sports team doing mm -hmm. right and you know that's something that is easy to access maybe especially as men but mm -hmm. also sometimes with women and so the value of small talk is really that it it is like a pseudo community mm -hmm. it's like and it's very nice conversation starter mm -hmm. and maybe what where that struggle comes in is that we're kind of getting past the small talk to talk about real stuff yeah Right, and so that's where I talked about earlier. It's like even people that may have an easier time in crowded spaces, may have an easier time being generally social, mm -hmm. they would also they would also not see that value in, yeah. in small talk. But for many people, it is valuable as this kind of like I said pseudo community, and I don't think it's really a pseudo community. And it's my my bias talking there, <laughs> um, but I think it does serve a purpose and it's good for us to recognize that it does. Mm -hmm. um, and 
and maybe not disparage it too much. Yeah. Well, and I think it's I think it's regenerating to some people. For me, small talk tends to be exhausting. It's good. I mean, mm-hmm. like it's necessary um, to just hi, how are you? Make yeah. a connection, kind of a thing. I often tell people that I value my time at the door. Like when I'm done preaching, I stand at yeah. the door yeah. and I shake people's hand and I, I visit with them for just a moment and. It's like you said, it's valuable and it has its place, but for me, it's exhausting. Right. And I think for extroverts, though, that kind of you know, flittering about, about the room, you know, yeah. sort of thing where you're visiting with a lot of people, it, it's not only valuable in that they're making lots of connections, but it's also valuable in the fact that it's, it's re energizing for them. Right. For me, it's depleting, but for both, it has its place. It's just that. Some relationships in our life have to go deeper than that, I think. Um, I sure hope so. Yeah, right. um, yeah. <laughs> but for maybe people out there, that's something that is a big struggle for them. That's something we, we hope to get to. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, have you ever taken like a personality test or anything like that? You probably know this about me because I've, I've shared this before, and I don't know if you're right. just asking this just I'm to asking for the, put, put the me group. on the spot. But yeah, I have a really weird personality. In fact... They did a, uh, the elders, one of my first experiences with the elders and ministry staff was they gave us all these sort of personality tests. And this kind didn't have like letter, number, combination or whatever. It was a zigzag line. Mm. So everybody's line sort of zigged and zagged in different ways. And it, it's supposed to tell you what your work strengths are, you know, if you're extroverted or if you're mm-hmm. introverted or if you're this or that. And so it had this zigzaggy line. Well, every single profile had a zigzaggy line. My profile neither zigged nor zagged. It was a straight line. And like, I was like, I, my profile was at the very back. So the elders and ministers went through all of these profiles and mine was the very last one. And like, I looked guy? at, I looked through it and I looked at it. And I was like, oh dude, I broke the test. Like I did it wrong. Like I messed something up. And like, they were going through it. In fact, the elder who was going through it with all of us said, yeah, at first, I thought something went wrong here. <laughs> okay, well, that's what you want to hear when somebody is introducing your personality. And he said, no, it's actually a personality type known as a chameleon. Hmm. And so I have this tendency, and we could, you could do some counseling with me afterwards, no. but I have this tendency um, to sort of mimic uh, the personality that I'm around. So if I'm around a real, you know, uh, outgoing person, I have this tendency to sort of mirror that and just sort of be like the people or the crowd or the group or the person that I'm around. And I have this tendency to kind of go back and forth. So when it comes to introvert, extrovert, or organized versus creative or, you know, whatever those different Mm -hmm. sort of ends of the spectrum are, I have this tendency to be somewhere right in the middle on all of those things. Yeah, well, and there's actually a counseling term referred to as mimesis, which is also an English word. So it's just kind of mimicking. Yeah. Where it, that can be important in counseling to help people feel comfortable, right? And so I, I, I hope you can see the value in this sure, part of you. Sure. It's like, oh, I can make people feel like they're with like-minded people, mm-hmm. no matter what. And of course, what you don't want to lose is your sense of self, which right. I don't think that you right, probably right. struggle with. But yeah, when I was in undergrad at Abilene Christian, I took a personality test and it was, I think it was Myers-Briggs. And so our teacher had us stand up in kind of the spectrum. And the one I'll focus on is the introversion versus extroversion Mm -hmm. um, spectrum there. And for those who may not know, introversion is the sort of person who would not enjoy public spaces, would not enjoy crowds and wouldn't like 
conversation would want to keep to themselves, maybe withdraw more. And an extrovert would be then the opposite, somebody who does enjoy those situations, does enjoy meeting new people, does enjoy uh, kind of making these new friendships. And so my teacher had to stand up in these uh, kind of ends of the spectrum. And I knew I was an introvert. It's no secret to anyone here now, too. Um, and so I kind of just stood near the middle, but kind of on the introverted side. And I quickly discovered that in the class, at least, that my score was far and beyond just the most introverted mm-hmm. out of anybody there. And I remember that being so relieving to me. Because hmm. like, oh, man, this is great because I hate being around people. I hate it so much. And I never want to do it. And now I have a reason, uh, right, to be yeah. deep myself. Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of my life after that, I kind of lived that out. Right, where it's like, well, I'm just gonna be to myself, and it's a miracle I got married. I'm not sure how that worked, but uh, Stephanie's a special person. She is a special person. Um, but you know, I found this way to withdraw and to not share myself. And like I shared earlier, I began to realize, partly through studying for this lesson series several years ago, um, was that I didn't really stop doing that. Right, and I, I think I am generally social here. And I'm doing air quotes for those listening, um, but I am generally social because I do have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. But that is really a skill that I have developed to further mask how withdrawn I can be. Wow. Yeah. Right, and so just like at Christian Works, whenever they realized that no one really knew anything about me, um, it, that is just part of the way that I can keep people at arm's length because I make them feel warm and comforted and like, you know, they're part of my life, which, you know, they are, but I struggle to open up about myself Mm -hmm. and to kind of share that next thing. And so I, I would almost say that like in developing my work and becoming a counselor and things like that, I've become good at about half of friendship, right? It's like the, maybe the half that seems more important to me, mm, right? Yeah. And so it, this obviously connects with, I mean, not obviously, but it connects with my depression in that, like, the way that I think about myself is actually incredibly negative. And so I would just kind of think, well, if no one knows, then they don't have to decide that about me, mm. right? And I, you mentioned vulnerability, vulnerability earlier and I think that's something of a buzzword yeah. right where people are very concerned about you know maximizing vulnerability in their relationships I struggle a little bit with buzzwords in general um, because I think they tend to lose their intended meaning mm. a bit um, I think kind of similarly about boundaries and things like that where it's like well yes this is important but saying that boundaries are meaningful to you or something you need to have doesn't replace the work that comes in Mm, with creating boundaries or being vulnerable and saying that I want to be vulnerable doesn't replace the work that comes in with being Mm -hmm. vulnerable. And to me, maybe a good way to describe the attempt at vulnerability is to give other people the opportunity to decide about you, Mm. right? And that's a very scary thing. But if you're like me, then you may realize that the more people get to decide about you, the more they disagree with your assessment, right? Especially if it's profoundly negative. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like you can, it can actually be a really strengthening experience Mm -hmm. to hear 
somebody else that knows your story say, like, you're all right. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's part of the point of all of this, yeah. and why God designed us to be in relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it makes me, and maybe as we kind of sort of wrap up a little bit, you know, it makes me think about how the gospel prepares us for friendship because nobody knows us as well as the Lord and nobody could love us more than the Lord. He knows us better than we know ourselves and he loves us infinitely. And that's our biggest fear. And I think that that's true for a lot of people. I think most people can't articulate it the way that you did to say, I'm scared to let people make, I love the way you put that, make a decision about me. And the thing about the gospel is that God has already made a decision about us, that he's going to love us and he's going to stick with us, um, that if we're faithful to him, then, then there is no separation. And, and he loves us and he's, he's crazy about us. And that should fill us with this assurance that says, if he knows me that well and loves me that much, then I can open myself up to other people because even if, even if Kevin rejects me, which is a possibility, right? I mean, it's mm. a possibility that I open myself up to somebody and there's conflict or somebody challenges us like we were talking about with Paul and Barnabas. But if we have that assurance and confidence in Christ, then it's okay. And we know that it's not the end of the world and that we are loved and we are accepted by the one who knows us the very best. Um, and we, we don't have to have that sort of gate around us that says, if somebody really knew me, they wouldn't like me. If somebody really knew me, they would reject me because God really knows us and he really accepts us and he really loves Mm -hmm. us. And so I think that as we go through this class, maybe that's another thing I need to add in my mind to what I hope that we can accomplish is one, the struggle of friendship, two, the benefit of friendship, and three, how only when we're in Christ and have that confidence that the gospel brings to us that we can really have the best and most beneficial relationships. Absolutely. Have anything else you want to add? Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I think, you know, whenever we consider that this lesson series, the whole lesson series is really about developing and creating these friendship relationships. And I think a big part of doing that is by developing qualities in ourselves that we can lean back on whenever we aren't sure what to do. Yeah. Right? Because it I think the how to this can be very fluid. Mm-hmm. Like we just because you never really know what you're going to be interacting with. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna look through the quarter at, at some specific examples and times where this we may be in that kind of decision point trying to be like, well, what should I do when somebody bothers me or what should I do when I feel buried or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And while we are looking at some of those specific examples, I think developing qualities in us um, or virtues will allow us to make good decisions about ourself and for ourselves whenever we are at a loss for what exactly to do. And so, you know, that's part of the point of this lesson series. And I hope that people listening today can hear that this lesson series could be something for them, even if it, this is not a topic that they would choose for themselves, mm-hmm. um, it, that they would hear that, like, maybe there will be some perspective offered that could apply to them. Mm-hmm. And at least for today, to provide a, a small amount of hope 
that even if it is something that is very difficult for you, that there's a reasonable chance that other people care about you and other people want to hear more about you. And there's a reasonable chance that the body of Christ is designed for exactly that purpose, for support and carrying each other's burdens and things of that nature. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that everyone listening can take that with them and can, mm-hmm. can hear that and feel that. And, um, it, you know, if anybody has any questions about any of these things, they, they surely know how to reach Wes. Um, you can Google my name and find my phone number, which is great. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a scary thing. I know, it is kind of scary. It can be very busy. Um, but that can be a way to reach out if you have any feedback, because we know with the current climate, this is yeah. not something that's easy to do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward this Me too. Series. And I appreciate, I appreciate your wisdom and your experience, both your experience as a person and a friend, and also your professional experience that you're bringing to the table here. And I think, and I love the way you started this conversation by saying that it's especially important. I mean, we're, we're right in the middle. Maybe somebody's listening to this two years from now. And hopefully by then, the coronavirus you know, has situation has yeah. is gone. But, uh, but right now, in the middle of this, where we're I, I've been saying that even though we're distant, we don't have to be disconnected. And I hope that we are looking for ways to connect deeper with the people we already know and connect in new ways with people we don't know yet and, and to do the hard work of friendship. So I appreciate what you're bringing to the table, Kevin. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, brother. All right.